0: Welcome aboard. (laughs) Now you'll know when to stop. The all-new Nissan Altima with Easy-Fill Tire Alert. It's our most innovative Altima ever. Nissan. Innovation that excites. I love that commercial because I wish that life was that easy, don't you? That there was like some divine guidance sometimes to help you know like where the line was, if you had crossed it, you know, oh, okay, I'm backing off of that. I mean, wouldn't it be wonderful if there was some benevolent being out there that cared about our relationships, who gave us a little bit of guidance? Okay, it seems like there is. We might just be forgetting about it. We talked about last week, or two weeks ago. Gosh, it's all blurring together when you have jet lag. Two weeks ago, we talked about how God designed us for each other, right? To be in relationships. That's not just love relationships, although we're going to talk about that in depth because those are some of the thorniest things that we get into, those loving relationships and how to do that. We were designed to need each other, but God didn't say, well, you're designed to need each other, so good luck with that, right? He gives us a lot of advice, a lot of wisdom, about how to have good, wholesome, loving, happy relationships with other people, and this is one of the one. This is um, a scripture that talks about that. This is in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter twelve. And actually, I realized that I gave my um, media person a different version than my Bible, so I'm just going to go ahead and read it to you in this version says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral like the godless Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, full disclosure, the book of Hebrews was written to who? to the Hebrews. Good job, right? The Hebrew Christians, this is written to a church congregation. They, this writer, and it's probably not Paul because it's written different than Paul writes the rest of his letters, this writer, this unknown writer, is trying to help these people live in community. Have you ever noticed that it's hard to live around other people? That life would be great if it was just clones of you, right? Because everybody would think the same way as you and you never have an argument. I personally wouldn't like it to be clones of me because we'd all want to be in charge. But if we didn't have these other people, it would be easy, but we do have these other people. And so the writer here is saying, here's how you do it. Here are some tips for living in community and making it a wonderful experience instead of a terrible one. And what we're going to see and what I hope you see is that this is not only for living as a church community, although it certainly will help us, but this can be in our most intimate relationships. This can help our marriages. This can help our relationship with our best friend. This can help your relationship with your mom or your dad. Um, and this is how we're going we're gonna to go through it. Um, first of all, it begins with, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And I find that like peace, we think, is like a feeling we're supposed to have. Peace, right? And peace is a feeling, But if I'm going to pursue it, right, make every effort to live in peace, that that also translates pursue peace. If you're going to pursue it, then it's not necessarily a feeling. It's an action, right? It's something out there that I could get if I am active about it. It's a prize to be won. Do any of you all pursue fish in lakes? Any of you pursue fish, deer, doves? Any of you all pursue these things when you're hunting? Do you just, like, go out and there's the fish? I mean, I gave up on fishing a long time ago because you can't just throw your line in and jerk out a fish. You have to work at it. It's a pursuit. You're not just going to get it easy, right? It's something that you have to strive for. Now, one of the things I did as part of this sermon series that I love is I talked to people in this congregation sitting among you who have been married for more than 30 years. I talked to about 20 couples who have been married over 30 years. And they, they gave me feedback on you know, what's hard in relationships, what's delightful, what they would like to share with other people, um, what has helped them, advice they would give to people, all these different things. And one of the things that I heard a lot and that I know Kathy talked with you about last week is conflict. When we get into conflict, what's our goal when we're in conflict? And maybe we'll talk about this a little bit more, but if your goal is peace, that's different than if your goal is winning, That's different than if your goal is escaping pain because there will be conflict in every relationship because we're not clones of each other. We see things differently. But the goal that God has for us when we get into conflict in a church, when we get into conflict in a marriage, is that we would pursue holiness and peace. That doesn't mean that we won't disagree, but it means that we would be peaceful. We would be holy when we're doing it, right? So one of these couples that I talked to, they have been married for 30 years, and the husband told me, I used to run away whenever conflict was coming. Literally, he would leave, right? He would just be gone. He'd be doing something else. And the wife was like chasing, right? So she's chasing, he's retreating, chasing, retreating. It's terrible, right? What they had to learn to do is he had to learn instead of running away to move towards her, To say, this conflict won't be the end of the world. I may need to go away, get my head around this, and then come back. And she had to learn to not chase after him. She had to learn to stand there. And instead of, like, I think about probably half of the congregation, half of y'all, when fight comes, all the guns come out, right? You're ready to, like, blow that person away. I just think of, like, a transformer with all these guns, right? Half of the congregation, half of y'all feel like that. And then the other half is going to go hide. Right? And a lot of times, because we're different people and we like those differences, one of the gun people gets married to one of the runners, one of the quiet people. And so the gun people have to learn to like back off, Right, to pursue peace means putting away the guns, because the goal is not that you blast this person to ashes, it's that your relationship gets stronger, that you deal with the issue and you move forward. Right? And the running people need to realize, how, how often do things get better when you run away from them? You have to face it. If, you're, if you tend to run, then you've got to come face it. You've got to pursue peace, okay? And so this couple learned that they had to, instead of doing this, do this. Pursue peace. The second thing, see to it that no one misses the grace of God. I love this. No one misses the grace of God. One of the scriptures that I read at weddings, um, if I can, is from Ecclesiastes because it's beautiful. It talks about how, um, how beautiful it is for two people to be together. And then look at what it says at the end. This is this is from Ecclesiastes. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. 3 are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. I read this scripture for two reasons. First of all, um, because it talks about the reality of relationships, right? Did you notice, like, it doesn't say two people can go together and get ice cream. Two people can enjoy a, what, a raise at work together. It doesn't say all the good things. It says, if one falls down, the other can help. Um, if, if you're shivering and freezing in the cold, that person can keep you warm. If you're being attacked, somebody's got your back. It's, we have two people, not for the wonderful, great times, although I love to share those with another person. We talked about how Adam wanted to do that. But for the times when we're stumbling, for the times when we're being attacked, for the times when we can't do it on our own, God gives us another person to go with us gives us a church family to say, you are not walking through this alone. That's why we're put designed for relationship. But then look at the next part that God says, three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And the reason I read this at weddings is oftentimes when people are young and in love, they're just like, we have everything we need. You know, you've seen the sparkly eyed youth of love, right? Before any of them have seen the other one throw up or lose their job or, you know, before there's, they haven't gotten sleep because the baby's been crying all night. I mean, you're like, oh, love, that's all we need. And then you realize, no, we need something more. I mean, you need God to be part of your relationship. And this is the amazing thing. Um, I'm going to show you some statistics. This is from Church of the Resurrection. And they did a survey on marital happiness Um, Adam Hamilton pastors a church of, like, I think it's 10,000. It's one of the biggest Methodist churches in the nation. They share their materials with um, other churches. And one of the questions they asked is, are you happy in your marriage? Happy or very happy? And then they asked a lot of questions about, you know, kids and um, intimacy and and worship life. And this was the amazing part to me. I'll share some other aspects of it later. But they had over 3,000 people respond. Really great survey. And they asked about worship attendance. The people who never or rarely attended worship, only 32% of them said that their marriage was happy. The people who attended weekly, 50%. Boy, I should put that on promo material, right? For the church. Come to church and be happy in your marriage. Let's see the next one. Even more powerful. Prayer. 32, 35% of people who never pray together or rarely do it call their marriage very happy. 63%. It almost doubles people who pray daily together. Should I just stop right now? I mean, wow. This is one of the best keys to marital happiness I've ever seen. And the Bible can tell say, you know, pray together and make sure nobody misses the grace of God as much as you want. And then you see stuff like this and you're like, oh my gosh, God is right. Who knew? <laughs> you know? Pray together. The, the neat thing was that all the couples that I talked to, 20 couples in this church that had been married more than 30 years, without me prompting them or anything, again and again and again, they said, a secret to our marriage is prayer. Praying together. So if we are going to listen to the wisdom of those who have an enduring love, we would hear them telling us, pray together. Make prayer. Make that third chord a part of your marriage. Let me tell you a few of them. This is from a couple that have been married 44 years. They met at their first job, um, and they say, we love each other more now than when we got married. The man says, without my wife, um, I would be living under a bridge somewhere. And he says, faith is the glue that has kept our relationship together. Belief in God helps us daily through a sinful world. Without that faith, we would be lost. He says, we would be lost. And he came to faith in Christ late in life. And he said it had made such a difference in their marriage, just him being a believer and sharing that with her. Um, Another couple uh, were friends for two years before they started dating. They've now been married 33 years. And the wife said, prayer has often been a wake-up call for me in my marriage. She said, sometimes just praying through an issue made me hear it in a different way way, and certainly laying it before God does so. I need that. She said, I've often been guided to insights and actions I never would have reached alone. So she's not talking necessarily about praying together. She's talking about having her own prayer life. But I would encourage you, pray together with the people you love. Pray with your spouse. Pray with your kids. Pray with your friends. It can be kind of scary to open yourself up in prayer while someone else is there. But I'd encourage you to do it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Did you see that happiness? Just having someone to share that love of God with makes us happy. So do that. If you do nothing else after listening to this sermon, try praying together. Try it this week. Every day, pray together. And just just see. Um, and I'll do that with you. How about that? We'll do that together. Um, God longs to be at the core of our relationships. And oftentimes, I would encourage you, if you're having problems with someone, um, be that your spouse or somebody else, I often invite the Holy Spirit as I'm praying about that. I'm like, Holy Spirit, be between us. Help us. I I need you in that relationship, right? I need you there. So I, I ask God for that. Okay, the next part. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Now remember, this is written to a church. And so the bitter root that this um, author is talking about is a person, is a person in the church that is causing so many problems and it's spreading. They're like a weed. They're like a cancer. And what this author is saying is you cannot put up with that. Don't let bitter roots grow. Now we are in South Texas, aren't we? We know a thing or two about weeds. What grows best in your lawn? The grass or the weeds? The goatheads or the bougainvillea, right? The weeds grow best. My, um, my in-laws bought a foreclosed house. It had been, um, I guess it had been neglected for about three years. You know, nobody living in it. And the yard had gone from um, St. Augustine grass to just total weeds. And if you mow it, it looks fine, right? It looks green. It looks pretty. But if you walk in it, you're going to be covered in goatheads. I mean, and they've got thorns this long on them, right? It's just, it's terrible. I, I remember I walked out there because they have a beautiful view of the lake. I walked out to go look at the beautiful view of the lake and I came back and I, I spent like 10 minutes just pulling goat heads out of the bottoms of my jeans and off my shoes and everything. I was like, it's not worth it to walk out in their lawn. And if we let weeds like that grow in our relationships, they can make our relationships feel like it's not worth it. But I want you to hear this, remember? No bitter root grows up. Let no bitter root grow up. Can you weed a yard? Is it fun? Can you do it? And so I challenge you this week to think about your love relationship. Think about where there might be a big, bitter root there. And how, what will it take? What softening of the soil? What tools do you need? How do you get it out of there? I know my favorite thing with weeds is to just snap the top off and pretend it's gone. (laughs) When I was a new homeowner, I'd just be like, beautiful, you're dead. And it would just grow back. Can't just snap the top off. We got to get it out. And I'm here to tell you that I will help you. If you're thinking about your relationship and you're like, I don't know where I'd even begin. It's a yard full of weeds, then come and talk to me. Maybe I can help you. Um, Come talk to Jeannie. Come talk to Greg. Find one of our pastors and talk to them. God gives us each other so we can help each other. So if that's you and you need that help, I'm here. I can recommend other people too, or find your friend. Say, man, there's this ugly root in my life, and I need to get that out. Work on it together. Okay, the next thing. See to it that no one is sexually immoral like the godless Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Esau was Jacob's brother. Remember, he was born first. And being born first in the ancient Near East was powerful. It was a blessing. I mean, they were twins, but he came out first. And so he was going to inherit not only the property, but his father Isaac's blessing on his life. So the blessing of God, right, from Abraham to Isaac to Esau. But instead, he's had a long, hard day. He's been out in the fields all day. He's really hungry. Jacob's making stew, and he says to his brother, can I have some stew? And of course his brother's like, no. And so... Esau is desperate to get this stew. He's so desperate that he gives Jacob his birthright as the firstborn son for a bowl of soup. Now, all of us look at that and say that is the stupidest thing he could have ever done, right? We never would have done that. And yet all of us have done stupid things like that because we've had a hard day a long day, especially when you've had a hard day, that's when temptation is going to rear up and try to Satan will try to get you ex, to exchange the eternal for the passing. To exchange lasting love for something that's going to satisfy you and be gone like that. Don't make the trade. Don't make the trade. Hear me, everyone is tempted, everyone. Takes different forms. But this is one of the most common things as a pastor I see my people falling into is this sexual temptation. And so again, I would tell you, if you are struggling, please come talk to me. Please come talk to Greg or to Jeannie or, or help come to me and say, I'd like to go to a counselor. Some of counselor. A lot of the couples I was so surprised were like, you know, we, we view marriage as a car and cars run best when you get them tuned up. And so we've gone to counseling a couple times in our marriage just to tune up. It's been great. If you need that, I know great counselors. I can help you with that. But the important thing is to remember when you're tempted, don't try to face that temptation alone. If Esau had had just one friend there being like, man, you're crazy, don't do that, he might have been the child of the promise instead of Jacob, right? But instead he traded it away for that passing bowl of soup, gave up a whole life as God's blessed person just for soup. So don't be like that. I don't think I can overstate that. If you look at the rest of the scripture, if you look at the rest of Hebrews, the theme is endurance. Um, What Christ endured, how we can endure, and I think sometimes in marriage, in friendships, in love relationships, as parents, especially if you have teenagers, endure, right? But we endure and we persevere and we work hard. We pursue peace, we pursue holiness, we help people find the grace of God so that we can have these lovely, rich, long-lasting relationships. So that when we fall, someone is there saying, I gotcha. So that when we're cold, somebody's like, let me give you a hug, I'll keep you warm. So that when we're fighting, somebody's got our back. God gives us each other for these reasons. And most of all, God wants to be in the midst of that relationship, woven in, not as a second thought, but woven in to create strength in our relationships. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray that you would help us to resist temptation, to um, rid ourselves of the bitter roots that poison our relationships, and most of all, to help those people that you have given us To encounter you to be the best that they can be, Lord. Help us to think about what we can do for them, about how they can be stronger because we're at their side, and bring into our lives, Lord, people who will help us in the same way. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to stand now, we're going to sing our closing song, and if you would like to join with the church, you know we'd love to have you, so um, let's sing together. We talked about caring for other people, and I I get to tell you about something exciting that the outreach committee is doing. We're going to start giving these flowers away and inviting you to do that. So if you know someone who is in need, a neighbor or a friend, just like we took the casseroles, just like we took um, the little Christmas cactus, you can come get these and take them to them so that we can share God's love in the community through y'all. Okay? So please don't be shy. Please come up and get them if you know somebody who needs them. If not, our hospital visitation team will take them, so no pressure. But remember this. God gave us one another to face this life together. Imperfect people, together we are stronger. We are better. We can help each other. So you be the help that other people need this week, and remember that God is always our help as we do that. Amen.